I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can find the show at Championship Pod on Twitter. I'm your host. I'm Louis Shackshaft. Uh, I'm joined with Jake Jackman this week. I want to thank Jake for hosting in my absence on uh, the last show that you would have listened to. Uh, but let's get at it. Um, a lot to talk about ahead of the fixture list that's on the horizon, Jake, what's due to kick off in around a week's time. But one of, one of the you know, big news that's come out from this week is that Michael O'Neill, the Stoke City manager, has been confirmed um, to have had or got coronavirus. How do you expect Stoke City to manage this situation and will it affect their preparations for their first game? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's obviously going to have some sort of impact um, to have your manager outside of the, tra- the training ground um, mm. and the preparations for the new season going to have a big impact for any squad. but. I guess it's inevitable that there's going to be a few cases pop up between now and the end of the season. Hopefully not too many. I think the early signs have been positive, but for, for Michael O'Neill to be missing out is, is a big blow. I think when they get as close to nearly playing a trading match and then it got cancelled when um, against Manchester United as soon as sort of the results came back in just before that match. So it was a bit, sounded a, a bit dramatic and makes you think of well, before moving on to Michael O'Neill, um, in particular, it made me think of what could potentially happen when the actual games start if there is a um, positive or a symptom being reported on the morning of a game, how quickly a game could, could be called off. So, that's yeah, that's a good point. To think yeah. About. Um, but yeah, with Michael O'Neill, I think it's a big blow. Um, and you obviously taken, um, had a good start at Stoke. Um, they're, they're, Three points above the relegation zone, so they're a team that there's definitely got something to play for when football returns. Um, they finished um, in good form just before the break, um, and it was certainly having a good impact there. Um, but it will be will definitely impact their preparations. They've got Reading uh, a week on Saturday, so I'm not sure if he'll be able to get back for that game. I'm not sure how quickly he'll recover and. Uh, how quickly it will take for him to return a negative test because I'm sure that's probably the the protocol before he can come back. But it, it's a massive blow. Yeah. And games against Reading, Middlesbrough, and Wigan and Barnsley to start off. You think they could be looking at the sort of first three or four games to really put a gap between them and the bottom three. So if, if that with him not being there um, as much as he'll be able to stay in contact, con- um, talk to his coaching staff, and still have a big part to play. It, it will definitely have it have an impact, and it. it's a a big blow for Stoke ahead of ahead of football return next weekend. Yeah, definitely. I think with Michael O'Neill obviously contracting the virus. Um, firstly, we want to wish him well and, and a speedy recovery, as as we do with anyone in the same situation, even outside of the football network. You know, it's 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 tough times, and you know we. 
hope as many people are as, as safe and healthy out there as as you know as we want them to be. Uh, but in terms of Stoke City on the field, it seems strange because going back, you know, three months now or, or more even, it's it's four games that Stoke City were unbeaten. And I know you pointed out there were three points above the relegation zone, but technically they're still in a relegation fight, aren't they? So um, and and when you know the the season was drawn to a halt and they'd managed to pick up eight points out of a possible 12. So they were on that good run. And I'm, I'm sure that the, you know, I'm pretty certain that Stoke will avoid relegation this term. Um, but yeah, that does, you know, put a dent in their preparations, like we say. Um, but yeah, back again, just just wishing well and, and a speedy recovery. But on to the next topic, Jake, I'm going to ask you, after the confirmed curtailment of League One, um, Coventry and Rotherham are promoted into the Championship as of next season. What are your initial thoughts of these side playing in the Championship next season? Yeah, so Rotherham have been uh, been regulars on this podcast since since we started recording a few seasons ago. They seem to be a one season, not here the next, and then return. Um, mm. I think this is the second time they've they've got promotion straight back to the Championship. So. Um, They'll be hoping one of these times they'll be able to stabilise at this level. Um, so it could be this time. I think Paul Warren and a lot of the players they've got experience at this level. So you'd think that they'll be able to come straight back into it and have a better go uh, if memory serves. The first year they were up, um, they struggled and came bottom of the league, um, not giving it much of a fight. And then uh, last season they did a little bit better and came close to staying up. I think we even they're doing on a few occasions that we thought they might stay up so you know it got better so you'd expect that trend to continue and it, it'll get even better this time but um yeah it, it, it's uh, they're, they're ones that we know a little bit more about Coventry um if you're looking at League One they're by far the best team they were eight points clear of um or seven points clear of of, of the, the chasing pack um before the points per game then came into play that you know they were comfortably um, going up with a game in hand over a lot of those teams as well. So um, they've been quite a good team to watch this season. Got a, a good youth academy there. Got a lot of good young players. Um, mm. They played at St Andrews this season as well. So they, they were without their permanent home, but still managed to to get promoted with quite some comfort. So they definitely look like a team that could could be exciting to watch at this level. Um, we said before that the gap between League One and the Championship seems to be getting. A little bit bigger each season. That would be remains to be seen if, if these two teams can can prove that you know the uh, gap can be bridged. Um, but yeah, I think I think both of them are gonna offer something. Rotherham just for the the continued progression of their own team under Paul Warren. It'd be great to see them stay up in Coventry, um, such a big club um, historically. Being back at, in the second tier is is great to see, and I hope that they they continue their good form and and can establish themselves at this level because I think we all like to see the promoted clubs do well um, which is something we haven't really had this season Barnsley and Luton uh, and Charlton all currently in the relegation zone which yeah. just sort of emphasises the point that the, the gap between the two leagues is growing um, but yeah it'd be great to see these two teams up um, Rotherham I think perhaps somewhat fortunate to be given the promotion in, in the situation it was with, with the, the teams below them within touching distance and with nine matches to play um, I think that was why there's so much disagreement at League One level. But, you know, they, it, it's always going to be unfair on, on some teams and they were the ones in the position to 
to go up under that situation. So yeah, I think that, that I um, I think that they would be able to to adjust back to this level and give it a good go at staying up again. Um, and Coventry likewise, but definitely um a long way to go before we can can say that. We need to see what happens over the summer and what the lay of the land is in the championship when when they do finally get to play uh, championship football. Yeah, I think for me, uh, living in South Yorkshire as well, Rotherham, you've got to give them credit and Paul Wall for sticking, you know, first and foremost with with the manager, Paul Warren. I know we, you know, give him a lot of praise when they were in this division. They, in many ways, remind me of Barnsley, who are currently at the foot of the table, that they can be very entertaining, like they were good to watch at times, particularly at home. Um, but as we know, they just conceded far too many goals. So I think, you know, even though you, Rotherham seem to be like a yo-yo side at the minute. Um, I really hope for Paul Warren and Rotherham's sake that they learnt their lesson a little bit, you know, in the division last season. Um, and in that case, it's okay, you know, they're going to simply have to tighten up that defence because we know that they, they could score goals and as they have done in League One and you, like you've argued, they, they were maybe a little fortunate to get promoted this time. Um, but yeah, if, if they've learned the lesson, then they could be, you know, a decent side next season that avoid relegation and then potentially, you know, climb the table from there and become an established championship side. And then Coventry City, yes, you know, deserved winners of the uh, League One and, and quite rightly in the championship next season. Um, but for me, Coventry, as I was born in the 80s, I remember all the 90s years where, you know, and the good times of Coventry City when Gordon Strachan was in charge and they had some decent players. So it's nice just to see them, despite their struggles in recent years, like you touched on playing at St Andrews, that they are at least in the championship from next season and they've got an opportunity, again, like Rotherham, to establish themselves. I think it's just a case, though, we're finding that a lot of the teams what do come up from League One on a regular basis are becoming yo-yo sides. And you could include, like I've already said, Rotherham in that, Barnsley, uh, Charlton could be that team as well if they go down this season, as well as Luton. So um, teams new, do need to avoid that. But we have seen teams in the past be successful um, and and remained in the championship for numerous years. So uh, good luck to both of those sides as of next season. But let's <laughs> obviously get this season over done with first of all um and back to the championship the next thing i want to ask you jake is many clubs this week obviously ahead of the new um scheduled fixtures in in the competitive league are arranging friendlies ahead of the restart are you in this are you in favor of this idea or or how do you see it in terms of uh, potential injuries being picked up and, and and players being out of contract at the end of this month also I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello 
Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. Um, but if you're going to bring competitive football back, you're going to have to give all clubs some leeway um, to play friendly matches against others. Um, from what I can see, it's, it's a lot of um, Premier League clubs and Championship clubs have been playing against each other. Um, so I think I think I think it's it's what need needed to happen. I don't think you could have gone straight back into Championship football cold without sort of that uh, game time in the legs. See, I think even when it does return, it, they'll still be a little bit undercooked. So I think that friendlies were crucial. Um, yeah. so I think it's it's a positive thing for injuries, especially. I think that. Um, giving them a little bit more fitness. There's only so much fitness you can get from working, um, doing fitness work and, and from playing small games within your own squad. So I think I think it, they needed to happen. Um, I, don't, I think most teams will only have played two or three. Um, I think most would have played two by the time the football kicked off. So it's not like they've had a lot, if you think, in a pre-season, you'd normally play five, six, seven pre, uh, matches. So there's, they're still going to be... Um, some way short of full, of full fitness, but I think it needed to happen, um, and it seems most of them have been done quite safely as well. Um, so yeah, I think, it, I think it's a good thing. The out of contract thing is going to be interesting. We, we obviously spoke a little bit about Lyle Taylor last week. Uh, might yeah. be interesting to get your thoughts on that as well, Louis, uh, before we finish up recording today. But yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's just such a weird situation. But yeah, I think friendlies going ahead is a good thing. Um, I think the positives definitely outweigh the the negatives uh, when it comes to to getting getting these matches played. Yeah, definitely. I think you know there's nothing wrong with having friendlies as long as everybody remains safe. Um, I mean, I can talk for my team. Gary Monk's come forward and said that he wasn't willing to risk playing in a friendly game, you know, against another side who, you know, people in that side may have had COVID-19 and uh, potentially they could have picked up injuries. So what Sheffield Wednesday have done this week is played an 11 against 11 using obviously their their own players, their their full squads. And and that that game happened um, on Wednesday the 10th of this month. Um, I, I don't know the result or anything like that, but I just thought it was quite a bright idea. Um, obviously, there's no travel involved, etc. And you're, you're in close proximity with players that you've been training with for the last few weeks anyway. And, and we know that they're in full contact training. So, yeah, um, I think either way you look at it, again, it was all about increasing match fitness. And I think most managers would say that, you know, the start of the championship still has come a week week too early um, they were always a week behind the Premier League in terms of uh, what regulations were in place so for it starting you know in a week or so, week or so is probably a little bit too soon but like you say it's all about being prepared and and you know once once the league's up and running again once it goes ahead you know it's vital for some teams the remainder of the season. Like we've we've already touched about touched on the the ones in the relegation fight, and and you know we've not even considered the the teams in the playoffs and and the top two yet. So it's yeah, they, they all need to be at full fitness and, and and match speed. So yeah, I can completely understand it in terms of Lyle Taylor. I, I you know what I I heard James and yours opinion on it last week, and it is. A strange situation where I'm 50-50 split. I understand that, you know, he is contracted to um, 
Charlton for the time being until the end of this month. But at the same time, his age and the injury woes that he's had, he just doesn't want to risk his career, which you know potentially may only last another two to three years being a striker. Um, so we know that he may, well, or most likely will be playing for another club next season and he wants that move, whether that's to a bigger club or not, I, d- I don't know. I know we were linked to, was it Galatasaray at some point or some report that I read? Um, so whether that happens, I don't know. But as a Charlton fan, if I was a Charlton fan and it happened at my club, I would still expect him to play while he was contracted, I believe, until the end of the June, if, even if that meant playing in just two games or coming to an agreement with Bowyer where he maybe only um, came on as a substitute for maybe the last 20, 30 minutes. I, I don't know. It is it is a real sticky situation and, and I can see both sides of the story. Um, but like I say, if, if he is con- contracted to a, a club and it's only another three weeks, for me, he should, if he's picked in the starting 11, he, he should play. But um, you know, I know he's not the only player at the club that's refusing to play also. So um, I know, you know, in terms of his family and his livelihood and he's thinking that the, the next two, three years is the most money he's going to pick up for the remainder of his life, then I can completely understand where he's coming from also. But another question I were going to ask you, uh, linked to the friendlies and obviously COVID-19, Jake, quickly, is... Um, what do you think would happen in a situation where maybe um, three, four first-team players are uh, infected with COVID-19, let's say, you know, in, 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 in a month's time? Would it get to a stage where teams may refuse to play because they've got three or four first-team players out due to the illness? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think that there's definitely got to be um, some protocols printed publicly about what what the situation will be if, if a number of players get tested or um, positive or report symptoms, how many would that need to be for a postponement um, and just sort of the sort of the all situations covered sort of um, press release from the uh, EFL would be good to know in advance. Hope, you know, touch with none of these things will yeah. happen. I, I think from the, the early testing, it seems to show that they are getting to these um, positive cases early and, and isolating them, which is good. I don't. I think while you've got that sort of um, scrutiny on it, I don't. It would be surprising if it managed to get out of hand. But you know, all it would take is for somebody to pick it up, you know, hours after getting tested and go to training for a couple of yeah. days. It wouldn't take long. But I even think, you know, I'm not a claim to be a scientific expert, but I think even in the the very early days. Of, of having the virus I'm not sure how contagious or you are or, or you know what symptoms you have so I think that's why the testing thing is so important to get right which it seems like they're doing but uh, you know if, if you've got three or four players out uh, especially their first team players that's a lot for a championship team um, they, uh, some teams don't have deep squads I think the majority of, uh, of teams in the league don't have you wouldn't say if they had five players missing that they'd go into a game confident um, I don't think that level of quality is there, whereas perhaps it is in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think three, four or five, if you have that many players um, positive or reporting symptoms, I think that should be enough to get a, a, a postponement. But it's just where you're going to fit these matches in because they've got the schedule now where it's geared up for, for the playoffs at the end of sort of end of July, start of August. Yeah, you're going to have 
going to struggle to fit these games in if they if they don't get played when they should. But I I think that they should the testing that's in place it should be enough to to get get players isolated early and to stop it get, spreading at a great rate. But you know you can't always guarantee that. But I'm, I think that's probably what they're hoping for that that they would need a postponement because because they're going to get to cases early and um, stop it from spreading. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I mean, you, you mentioned the word postponement. I think that would be obviously the, the likely outcome. Um, if you have got players, particularly those at clubs who are in a scrap to see whether they're going to gain promotion or whether they're going to be relegated at the end of the season. If, if they have got two, three, four first-team players out, I think it's a case of going to the EFL and like you say, getting the game postponed, but where does you know where do those other games then fit in? Because this is all planned to be done over the course of just just over a month or around 40 days. Like you say, the, the playoffs are already penciled in. So that would be interesting. I always remember years and years ago when I was a kid that Middlesbrough in the Premier League had loads of players out with the flu during uh, winter and they ended up with a, a three-point deduction. And I know in this case, it's completely unprecedented and, and most clubs are being tested on a regular basis. But I know the punishment wouldn't be that severe, but I just remember them not being able to play a starting eleven and, and, and they missed a fixture and, and got that punishment. So in, in this case, yeah, it'd be really interesting if it got to that stage. I know we talked about Stoke City in, in the first topic where... Uh, at the moment, Michael O'Neill's contracted the virus, but I was also just thinking with, you know, if if, if another manager got the virus in, in you know, three weeks' time and the manager was missing and they had a couple of first-team players missing also, what what, what would be the outcome? And, 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 like, the only thing I could think of also is is, is postponing the game. And But, again, it's, it's when would that be played? So, um, hopefully, it doesn't come to that. Um, and, and if it does, then we will see in, in due course what is going to happen. Uh, but we'll move on to the final topic, Jake. And one of them is a departure at one of the clubs in the championship at Birmingham City. So what are your thoughts on Pep Clotet departing Birmingham City at the end of this season? Yeah, it's quite a weird one at the time of this. Um, this I, I thought when he got the job, he was, probably, he was brought in... Um, he was brought in because he knew the club already as part of Gary Monk's coaching staff. They obviously had to let Monk go because of what's going on with his um, the uh, accusations against him and sort of connections with agents. So that sort of went sour quite quickly. But he came in as part of the coaching staff. Um, seemed to be a quick fix, um, and he's done pretty well, really. Uh, I said a lot at the start of the season. I thought they were going to struggle um, based on what he'd, his previous work as a manager, but He's done pretty well at Birmingham. Um, I think that he deserves credit for the job he's, he's done there. Um, I don't think they're in any real danger of going down unless there are FFP regular um, punishments brought in. But you know that's impossible to know what um, when the EFL are going to release any sort of information about that. But he's done well. Um, I think it's odd timing, but um, seems that the, the club have slightly different um, ambitions to him. Don't know if it's a good thing or or not um, that he is that he is going. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they go next. I think you can only make a real 
good judgment on this when they've decided where they're going to go next. Um, I've seen I've seen Chris Hutton linked, although that seems to have died down a little bit today. I've seen yeah. um, Nero Warnock. The odds on him to come in are getting shorter. Um, I think I think that would be an interesting one if they got him. But it is, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's just odd timing, and and I'll, I'll judge it. Um, when they re- announce a replacement, but it, it would probably slightly concern me as a fan that the manager decides to leave or if it's mutual. It just doesn't seem like it's a healthy thing to happen for the, a manager in a club to just decide to part ways after one season. It, it yeah. just seems a little bit odd to me, but um, yeah, I think he's done well. I think he's got them got them solid in mid table. Uh, also lost Che Adams last time as well, so it was a big loss mm. of the time. Um, yeah, I think, I think he's done a good job, but it's just weird. And I think I want to hear a little bit more about it and, and what's to come next before I make a, a firm judgment on it. Yeah, I think when I saw the news um, and read the announcement on the Birmingham City website, first thing I thought was, well, that's a nice way to sack somebody. Um, and it kind of reminded me of the Jones situation at Luton, where I was thinking... You know, are the club wishing that they'd have done this three months ago at the start of the pandemic? Um, and obviously, they've just been sat on their hands a little bit, uh, pondering over their decision. Um, and reading into it, apparently Birmingham City wants somebody with uh, promotion experience. But I don't know why, you know, like you said, they've, they've lost a couple of key players in the last year or so, one being Shea Adams. Um I don't know why, you know, that that opinion would have changed in the course of the last 12 months. Again, for me, it's just a case of they wanted rid of him for whatever reason. I'm sure there's some underlying issue because I, on the field, yes, I'm like you. I think that Birmingham City, despite being 16th in the league and, and only, you know, eight points above the relegation, I, th- I think they've done quite well as well. Yeah, they've, you know, they've one of the most entertaining teams in, in the division in terms of goals, you know, they, they do always tend to score goals, but they also concede a few as well. Um, so, yeah, the, I think he's, he's done an OK job. But, you know, you mentioned the odds and I was surprised to see when I looked as well, like Neil Warnock's uh, the favourite at the minute, just under four to one. Uh, Chris Uton six to one. Lee Carsley with his links at the club uh, is at seven to one. I was surprised to see Neil Warnock the favourite though. Really, for whatever reason, I just can't see that happening. But what do you think's next for Clatet? Can you see him remaining in the UK, Jake? Uh, obviously, he's had a couple of roles here now. Uh, or do you think, you know, get, get, do you think any clubs would be putting feelers out for Clatet in the future, or, or can you see him going back abroad? Yeah, I think that's the other angle to it. It might be that he's got something else lined up. Um, I think it's more likely that he'd end up abroad. I'm not sure he's done well enough here to get another championship job. Um, he might drop down. He did have a go at Oxford a few seasons ago. He might That might happen. Um, he's obviously got some connections in English football now. Um, don't think he'll be ending up at Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> helping out Gary Monk three times. <laughs> I doubt that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that... You have options. I think he's quite a highly respected coach. I think um, when he was at Leeds with, with Gary Monk, I think a lot of people spoke quite well about him there. He's obviously done fairly well with Birmingham, sort of repaired his reputation as a number one. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think I think it's more likely we'll see him pop up abroad next, but you never know. Um, it might be that he's taken on as a, as an assistant manager 
again, or he's given another chance. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think if I was a championship club right now, I'd be desperate to hire him. But um, yeah, I think it, it it'll be interesting to see where he does go next. I'd, I'd expect he'll pop up in Spain or yeah, um, or another foreign league before we see him uh, back in in England in, in any capacity. Yeah, I agree. I think his time in this country, at least, is probably over. I really don't think that, you know, even if he was available, there'd be many championship clubs lurking around for his signature. Um, I can I can see him going back abroad. And I know like you were laughing about him going at Sheffield Wednesday. But yeah, he's, he's probably offended a few people by the sounds of it along his way. Um, so, yeah, I I really think Clotet will, will end up in abroad. But, you know, I wish him good luck. I think, you know, he has done okay with Birmingham. He's done a relatively decent job under the circumstances. Um, and, and you mentioned also the the implications of FFP and points reductions may still come to haunt them this season um, or next season. Who knows? That's ongoing as as ever. Um, but yeah, good luck to Pep Clutter in the future. We wish him well. Uh, but unfortunately, Jake, with that, we're out of time. So if you'd like to let our listeners know where they can find you or any projects you're involved in at the moment, um, now be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening, guys. You can get me on Twitter at jjackwith2ends. Uh, I work for EPL Index and a few other websites. So um, anything I do, I post my Twitter page. Um, obviously, also involved in the Premier League show on this channel. Um, so if you're interested in the Premier League, ahead of the return of that as well as the Championship, uh, and give um, the latest shows to listen. You should be able to uh, find it on the same channel as this podcast. Uh, there's also a Bundesliga podcast um, on this channel as well. So if you've been watching any of that while you await the return of English football, uh, you can give that show a listen as well. Um, you can get the Premier League show on Twitter at EPL Roundtable. You can get the Bundesliga show on Twitter at Bundesliga Pod. And we are, of course, at Championship Pod. So give all those Twitter handles to follow. Yeah, thanks for that, Jake. And I've been your host at Louis Shackshaft on Twitter. Jake's already said where you can catch the show, but we do post each show to our pin tweet so you don't miss one. But you can also subscribe um, through however you find your podcasts. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening and we will catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 